We are in the beginning of our series through the book of John, and we are looking at John 3 tonight. But uh, we are starting the series, and so often in today's times, we can have this view of Jesus which is not in the Bible. We have this view of Jesus, which is just a caricature. We add these lenses, we add these filters. If you're on Instagram, you can pretty that uh, picture up. You can add whatever filter you want. And sometimes we live our lives through those lenses. We live our lives through our own personal biases, through our political biases, through our prejudicial biases. And we live our lives like that on Facebook, on Instagram, in the workplace. But sometimes we view Jesus through those same lenses. And so tonight, the whole reason for this series is so that we can take those filters off, that we can see the Jesus of the Bible clearly. And I want to say, when crisis hits, we run to the Father. I remember when I was a little guy, um, I was quite accident prone. If uh, you, yeah, shock, horror, gasp, I have great coordination now. So you're like, how did that happen? But I have 27 stitches all over my body. Yes. And I've had three broken bones. I've cracked my skull and uh, multiple things happened in my life. But I had tons of fun. But I remember when crisis hit, when I was actually like, when it was my most painful, when I got into an accident, the person who I cried out for was my dad. And so often in times, we need to cry out to our father. But the Bible teaches us that the only way to the father is through Jesus. And we need to see him clearly. We need to know who he is in our lives so that we can make our way to the father. Because the reality is the father has always made his way to us. And so we're going to be starting in the book of John, John 3. Won't you take out your Bibles now? If you don't have a Bible, maybe grab your phone, go to the Bible app. We're going to be reading from John 3, 1 to 21. And it says this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we've seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And here we come to this verse that we all know so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Let's pray. Yeah, Jesus, we just come before you tonight. And Lord, if I have one prayer, I pray that we see, it, see you clearly tonight. That we see you as you want us. We see you in a radical way, Lord, and that you will take the filters and lenses off our eyes, Lord. That we will see your light, we will see your life, but we will not leave you unchanged. That we will be transformed tonight, Jesus. That you will pour your spirit out in this place, Lord, and that we will have radical encounters with you. But that it will all be for your glory and for your name, Lord. But I pray that men and women will come alive tonight. Meet us in this place, Jesus. We say this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. We see this character of Nicodemus, and uh, something you need to know about who Nicodemus was is that he was one of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were an important group in the Bible and an important group in Israel. And they were both the worst people in the world because they were cold and legalistic, but they were some of the best people in the whole of Israel. Why? Because they did try and seek God. They had a heart to seek God. They wanted to live a life of purity. They wanted to live a life by God's word, but they were just somewhat misguided in their faith. And that is oftentimes so much like us. We want to live a life of God's word. We want to seek God. We want to see his blessings in our life. But sometimes we can be misguided in how we live that faith out. And so the Pharisees were these important people. And Nicodemus was a man of esteem. He was a man of title. He was a man who would have been well regarded in his community. He was a man who would have been quite wealthy for the day. And he was a man who would have had some status or some sort of title in his community. And so if you had to think of Nicodemus in today's terms, he would have been a CEO or community leader, someone people would look up to, someone of esteem, someone who would carry themselves well. But we find Nicodemus coming to Jesus in the dead of night. And so I want you to imagine right now one of those classic black and white movies. It pans into a landscape. There's dramatic music in the background. And you just see Nicodemus making his way towards Jesus. One of those neo-noir thrillers type movies. And so that is the type of scene that we have. Nicodemus, without anyone knowing, coming to Jesus and we need to know that he knows that Jesus is one sent from God, but he doesn't clearly see who Jesus is in this moment. He knows that he is sent from God. He knows that he does things in God's name, but he does not know that he is the son of God. He stands right in front of Jesus, but he cannot see clearly who he is speaking to. And I want to ask tonight is how do you view Jesus? Where have you learned most about Jesus? Is it just from attending church on a Sunday? Is it from your Instagram feed where you've gotten snippets of stories about Jesus, about Christianity? Is it from friends or things that you have heard? Or maybe it is from getting into the Word, maybe getting into God's Word, understanding who He is through His presence, through prayer. See, we all get to know about Jesus 
through a certain lens, through a certain filter. But Jesus wants us to take those filters off and see him clearly tonight. Just as Nicodemus needed to see Jesus clearly, we too need to take the filters of spiritual darkness off and see Jesus clearly tonight. Jesus, uh, Nicodemus came in a literal nighttime, that, but there was also a spiritual darkness. It wasn't just a darkness in the physical, it was the darkness in the spiritual. He couldn't see Jesus, not because there was a physical darkness, but because he didn't have eyes to see the Messiah in his midst. And so I want to say, sir, man, will you see Jesus tonight? Will you allow Jesus to bring light in the darkness and to see him clearly? And this brings me to my first point. Jesus brings life in the darkness. It says this in verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. See, if you want a life that God promises you, if you want to experience the kingdom of God, you have to see Jesus clearly. And there's this uh, thing that we learn in the Bible, we become what we behold. I'm going to say that again. We become what we behold. So what we give our attention to, what we give our time to, what we give our efforts, our treasures, our talents, all those things, what we give our energy to, we become like that thing. See, how much time do you spend on Instagram? How much time do you spend giving your efforts and your time to precious, needing to check that you have money in the bank, needing to give all your energy to these financial pressures, these marital pressures, or how much time do you give towards pleasures in life, temptations that come? We need to give all our time and our energy to Jesus. Why? Because we become what we behold. And so Jesus is taking on this, us on this journey that we don't live by sight. We need to live by faith. But in order to do that, we need to see him clearly, and he wants to bring light in your darkness tonight. See, the author of the gospel uses the imagery of light and darkness so often. It's one of the most important themes in the Bible. And so light symbolizes God's presence. Where there is light, that is where God is. Where there is darkness, that is where there is spiritual darkness, and people do not know God in that place. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the dark, and this signals that although he is open-minded, although he is seeking, although he wants to learn something, he does not yet know who Jesus is. And, but Jesus is open to encountering him. Jesus is opening, open into transforming Nicodemus, and he wants to take him on a journey. And I don't know where you find yourself in your faith journey tonight. Maybe you just view Jesus as a sky fairy, as someone who's distant, as this mythical figure who has no reality in today's culture and today's world. Maybe you just see him as a historical figure, as a man who was in history, but he's not the son of God. He's just a man who did things. He's just a man who performed some signs, and that's it. Or maybe you do believe that Jesus is the son of God, but you've, you've done the church thing. You've been hurt by church. You've been burnt out. You don't want to go back. You don't want to be part of a life group. You don't want to serve because you don't want people asking things of you or letting you down. I want to say, will you see Jesus clearly tonight? Because he's so much more than that. From the beginning, Jesus has bring, been bringing light to the darkness. We see this picture in Genesis 1. It's this picture of creation. And you may be saying, hey, where's Jesus there? I didn't know that Jesus is there. But it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. 
and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning. See, in the beginning, the world was shaped. Before you were breathed into existence, God was hovering over the darkness. Before you were even a thought, God was hovering over the formless expanse, and he was bringing light, and he was bringing life into existence. And I want to say, maybe you feel a little bit empty tonight. Maybe you feel like a little bit formless, that this year has been a tough one, that there's no structure, there's no end in sight, there's no uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Will you allow Jesus to bring life, and will you allow Jesus to bring form to your formless shape tonight? Because Jesus brings life into the darkness. And we see this uh, in the Gospel of John. He's actually trying to get the Israelites to understand something, get us to understand something about who Jesus was. And it starts in John 1, and it says this. You're going to see some mirror images here. In the beginning, in the beginning, just in Genesis, just in creation, he's rewriting the creation story through Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That Word is Jesus. And Jesus, the Word, was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things are made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him, there is life. And that life is the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the light, and he has overcome the darkness. That is the testimony of the gospel. Nicodemus is meeting this figure, and Jesus is not only bringing a light into his world, into the physical darkness, he is bringing light into Nicodemus' heart because he wants to light up every dark space. See, Jesus has overcome the darkness. See, we have a Savior in whom there is a beginning. We have a Savior who is God and who was with God, and that same Savior is calling you tonight. That same Savior who met Nicodemus all those years ago is wanting to speak light over your life tonight. And that is the testimony of this series, is that we have the Savior, not a distant Savior, not a Savior in the darkness, not a Savior kept hidden from us. We have a Savior who is intimate, who is personal, who is close, who wants to have a relationship with you. See, today I would like to make much of the fact that even though Nicodemus was in spiritual darkness, even though he could not see Jesus clearly, Nicodemus showed up and he sought Jesus. Tonight, will you just show up? Some of you, I just feel that you just need to show up and Jesus will show you himself tonight. See, Jesus brings life in the darkness. And point number two, Jesus brings life in the distance. It says this in verse five. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. See, religion sells us this lie that if we are good enough, if we just stop that sin, if we can manage our situation enough, if we just do all the right things, if we tick all the right boxes, we will get eternal life. We will be okay with God. And we, if we have enough in the right column, one day when we go to heaven, God will look favorably on us because we haven't done too many bad things. We've done enough good things, and that will be okay. But I want to say religion sells us a lie because that is not the gospel. 
Every religion tells us that we need to do things in order to make our way to God. But the gospel says that actually Jesus has made his way to us already. It is finished. There is nothing that you need to do to achieve it. You only need to receive the grace given to you in Jesus. And so there's this distance that was created when man sinned. There's this distance that sin creates between us and our Father, and Jesus is wanting to bridge that gap tonight. See, Jesus wants to bridge the distance, and I want to say tonight, will you find yourself at the foot of the cross, because that is the thing that will bring you closer to the Father than anything else in life. See, how many times have we uttered these words? I know I have. I just feel far from God. I just feel far from Him. I've had a tough week. I've looked at that thing that I shouldn't have looked again. I'm struggling with this sin. I'm struggling with this temptation. I just can't bear this anymore. I just feel so far from God. I don't know why God is doing this. I don't know why God is allowing this. I don't know where God is. I want to say God's distance doesn't depend on your ability, on your feelings. God's distance depends on your Savior, Jesus, and He is closer than anything in this world. See, Jesus' reply to Nicodemus that we must be born again shattered the Jewish traditions. It shattered all thoughts that Nicodemus had about how they would attain the kingdom of God. See, Jesus made it plain that a man's birth does not assure us the kingdom of God. Only being born again through his spirit gives us this assurance. See, it was widely taught among the Jews that at that time, they were descended from Abraham, and because of that inheritance that they would one day reach the promised land, they would reach eternity, and that Abraham was actually waiting at the gates of hell to actually just catch any Jews who may have wandered in by mistake. That is how assured they were that they would receive that promise. But they were blinded. They had a spiritual darkness, and they did not see that Jesus was the Messiah in their midst. And only through Jesus, there is the way to the Father. See, Nicodemus asked this question, how do I birth myself again? Now think back to your birth. You didn't do much in that point. <laughs> you didn't play a big role. And just shake your head here because all the women in the room will give you a slap if you shake your head yes. You didn't play much of a role in your birth. I didn't do much. And it's the same thing in being born again. We don't play a big role. Jesus does everything in us. Jesus does everything through us and he has done everything. So being born again just means to come to Jesus and allow His grace, allow His love to work in your heart and you will be transformed, you will be shaped by His gospel. See, we must not forget who Jesus was speaking to. He was speaking to Nicodemus, a religious leader, a Pharisee, the elite of the elite, a man of esteem, a man who had everything a man who knew all the things, a man who read his Bible, a man who came to church on a Sunday, a man who was in life group, in serving teams, a man who read his Bible and did all the devotional plans on the Version app and all those things, that was Nicodemus. And Jesus is saying, you will not enter the kingdom of God because it's not based on outward appearances. It's based on inside. It's based on your heart. Allow your heart to be transformed. See, a new religion will do us no good at all. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was the most religious of the bunch. 
no matter whether you are a Catholic, a Lutheran, a Protestant, a New Age, if you get your religion from social media, no matter what, a new religion will do you no good at all. It is only through the blood of Jesus. And John wants us to get this. He wants us to get that the Pharisees, the paragons of religion, the paragons of prayer, the people who were the greatest prayer warriors, the people who were the greatest religious elite could not get into the kingdom of God because they did not know Jesus. This is what we're preaching. This is what stirs my heart with faith and why I'm so enthralled with this series. It's because it is only through Jesus. See, we see Nicodemus in this setting and he goes to Jesus and he doesn't understand it. But Jesus doesn't leave him there. He doesn't leave him there confused. He doesn't leave him there bewildered. We actually follow Nicodemus throughout the Bible. This isn't the only time we see this character. And we see Nicodemus again in John 7. And what is happening is that the temple gods uh, are going to arrest Jesus. The Pharisees are commanding the temple gods to arrest Jesus, to take him captive. And Nicodemus is standing up against the Pharisees, his very own group the people who he was closest with, the people who he shared prayer times with, the people who he shared the word with, he stood up against that group. And it says this in John 7, Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. See, Nicodemus was being transformed by Jesus from one encounter. It requires one encounter with Jesus to be transformed. See, Nicodemus was going on this journey of becoming more like him. And sometimes we need to distance ourselves from the thinking of the world so that we can bridge the distance between ourselves and our Father. I'm going to say that again. We need to distance ourselves from the thinking of the world, from the thinking of the Pharisees, from the thinking of religion, and we need to go towards Jesus because he will bridge the gap between us and our Father. See, he wants you to be born again. And the Greek word for being born again means to be born from above. We don't have a natural birth. We are born from above. We are born from heaven because that is where Jesus comes from. And he comes down as the son of man and he gets into our darkness. He gets into our dust. He gets into our muck. He gets into our mess. And he makes us new. See, Jesus brings life in the darkness. He brings life in the distance. And thirdly, Jesus brings life through his death. It says this in verse 13. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. See, these solemn words forever exclude the possibility that we can make our way to God, make our way to heaven by our own merit. Salvation cannot be achieved. It can only be received through Jesus. And at this point, I, I was confused as well while reading the scripture. We at one point get, we need to be birthed again. We need to have this supernatural birth. And then Jesus starts talking about a snake on a pole. And you may be confused as I was, but Nicodemus would have um, understood this perfectly. The reason being is that this is actually a story in the book of Numbers. And what happened here 
is that the Israelites were sinful. The Israelite nation, if you know anything about the Bible, were God's promised people, but they constantly sought their own desires, they sought their own wants, they sought their own idols, and they made idols that they worshipped, and they forsook God, they did not worship God at points, and they constantly forgot God's promises in their lives. They constantly forgot what God did, and what God had saved them from, and what God was saving them for, and they were sinful. And in this story in Numbers 21, verse 4 to 9, you can go read it later, they were sinful. They were disobedient to God's promises, and what God did is that He brought judgment on the Israelite nation. He brought a bunch of venomous snakes, and these venomous, venomous snakes bit the Israelite people, and many Israelites died. But there was this man called Moses, and Moses went up to God and he prayed for the Israelite nation. He prayed on behalf of the nation and he said, God, have mercy on them. They do not know what they are doing. And he prayed on behalf of the Israelite nation. And because God is rich in mercy, he gave them a way out. And what Moses did is he fashioned the snake made out of bronze and he put it on a pole. And whenever they looked at the snake, they would be healed. See, Moses created the snake, and the snake of bronze is a figure of judgment. Bronze in the Old Testament was something that it showed that something had been judged, that their sin had been judged, and whoever looked upon it received the judgment in the snake and was healed. See, we have something so greater than a snake on a pole. We have Jesus who hung on a pole and received our judgment. See, this is what Jesus was trying to teach Nicodemus. That while there was a snake on a pole in the Old Testament, you have a Savior who hung on a pole, who took our sin, who took our death, who took our judgment so that we could have life. See, Jesus gives you life through his death. Jesus on the cross was crucified and his blood washes you clean. And Jesus bridges the distance because the veil was torn and then we could have intimacy with the Father. See, Jesus was a greater serpent. He was a greater bronze snake. He was a greater savior. He was a greater king than the Israelites thought they needed. He was the greatest of them all because he took our sin. He took our death for you, for me on the cross that day. See, he hung up on a pole. He took the judgment for your sin and for my sin. And we get to that verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. That is the promise of the gospel. That is the promise that is there for you tonight. You don't need to do anything to achieve it. You don't need to do anything to work for it. You don't need to tick the right boxes. It is already done in Jesus. See, and the Jews of that day really thought that Jesus loved the world. They thought that he would judge the world. They thought that he would condemn the world. And they thought that they would be safe. But Jesus is showing them in that instant that he loves you. That he loves you. That no matter what you have done in your life, it can never separate you from his love. No matter what you will do, it will never separate, separate you from his love. No matter what a whole nation did, it will never separate them from his love. Because Jesus brings life in your spiritual darkness. He brings life in the distance. And he brings life through his death. So on that cross, he became our darkness. On that cross, he bridged our distance. And on that cross, he became our death. 
See, the story of Nicodemus is not over. We see him one more time in the Gospel of John. And we see him at the point of Jesus' death. When Jesus died, there's two people, two figures, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, the Pharisee who challenged Jesus, making Jesus clean, putting burial clothes on Jesus at his tomb. And we see Nicodemus go on this journey of being transformed, of a person who could not see who Jesus was, on a of a person who would start speaking up against people who spoke out against Jesus, and then a person who would sell everything that he had, would buy a whole bunch of oils, would buy a whole bunch of myrrh, a whole bunch of embalming fluids, and would clothe the body of Jesus in his tomb that would protect him from others, that would protect him from being robbed. That is the Nicodemus of the Bible. He was transformed from the inside out. And that same promise, that same life, that same light is speaking over you tonight. See, the very man who was in spiritual darkness, who was distant from the Savior, is now up and close with his dead body. But Jesus' death brings life. Jesus' death brings freedom. And Jesus' death brings life.